Hello everyone, it's Christian Fuchs, former Schalke player. It has been an awful, crazy season for everybody, player, fans, everybody around the club. As well, it has been a crazy season for Schalke. Definitely unexpected, definitely not the level that Schalke belongs to. I'm sure the team, the club will do everything to get back into the Bundesliga where Schalke belongs, which is the standard for a Schalke team, for the club itself. Please support them. They deserve it to get back to the heights where they belong. And just to know, you are listening to Schalke America. Glück auf. Blau und Weiß sein, lieben Lang. Herzlich willkommen zurück auf Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me on uh, for the season finale, season review, season wrap-up, uh, Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing? It feels like a reunion of sorts. I feel like the last two pieces of Schalke America content that have gone out have been you know, <laughs> either of us solo and not together, but here we are for the, uh, the finale, um, as we typically would be. Um, yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, sir. Um, obviously not the end result that we wanted, but certainly not one that was unforeseen or unpredictable. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just time to kind of regroup this summer and, and hopefully we can put together a squad that can once again compete uh, for promotion. And we don't, um, you know, kind of pull a Hamburg um, in terms of, you know, how long they've been down and unable to get back up. We were, we were fortunate to get back up as quickly as we did. Certainly yeah. not guaranteed that we're going to repeat that. So that's just kind of my main hope. But um, I think my main message was just that, you know, we said coming into the season, not take it for granted because, you know, our club might not be stable for a while. And, you know, having been relegated, they made me appreciate, you know, being in the Bundesliga all that more. So my thing was just enjoy it as a fan yep. this season and enjoy the ride. And, and I did. I, I think it was yeah. a fun season overall, despite, you know, um, you know how, how bad it was at times. Um, I think, you know, there's quite a bit of a roller coaster at the end. And, um, you know, it's all part of what makes the sport the sport that we love. Absolutely, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I got a lot to get into tonight. We're going to get into that and our thoughts on how the Spite League is going to turn out for us next season. Uh, rundown of the show. We're going to talk about the overall season review tonight. Uh, best formation. What's our best 11 from this year? Uh, talk a little Kramer versus Rice, you know, mentality, tactics, that kind of thing. Uh, who was our poorest performer? Who was our best performer? Uh, hopes for next season, and then our final thoughts as we wrap this one up. Uh, shout out to Eric, who's in the chat right now. Uh, not only for being in the chat and joining us in the stream, but uh, he wrote an article on shockamerica.com. Uh, go check it out. We'll, we'll retweet the blog again once again. But uh, he gave his perspective uh, the brighter side of times when things were going better, right? When the 4 4 game against uh, the in the River Derby uh, back in 2017. So go read that article. It, it brought me back to when I remember that game was, and so just reading, reading his article and reading his. Um, how he was reacting as the goals were coming in uh, throughout that game kind of brought me back to where I was. So uh, shout out to them. Shout out to everyone who joined us on the live stream uh, last Saturday, reacting after the the Leipzig debacle and the uh, season debacle that was. Um, yeah, we chatted for like an hour, which was great. And the main question, main talking point, Jack, was where's Jack? Uh, but <laughs> you're back in our lives, so uh, all is well now. As you said, we're back together again, so the gang is back. So yeah, a uh, lot to get into tonight. Um, obviously. Overall, the season was not good, right? We we got relegated, straight relegated. Um, 
real quick on uh, the two relegation playoff games that happened. First, the Bundesliga Zweite Liga relegation game between Stuttgart and Hamburg. Stuttgart were victorious uh, in both legs, really. Uh, so they will stay in the Bundesliga. Hamburg will be in the Zweite Liga with us. And in the other relegation game, it's all but done already after one leg. Um, Zweite Liga team, Amirni Bielefeld, remember them? Uh, they're down 4 nothing to third division uh, VN Wiesbaden. Uh, not a good result for them. It was a shit show of a game for, for Bielefeld and their supporters, but uh, that's pretty much all about done there. So we're looking to see Wiesbaden and Hamburg next year in this, in this fight, the Liga. So so here's a question for you since, yeah. since we're on this topic. Um, how do you feel about the current structure of the playoff system uh, in the German pyramid? And would you prefer to see either sort of a straight three up, three down, or perhaps something more like the English model where it's a straight three down from the top division, but then you have, you know, uh, you know, a third through sixth place are in sort of like a two stage playoff for the final promotion spot. Um, because that way you don't have a situation where you have, you know, a squad that's usually a Bundesliga squad, which more often than not is going to have better players and a much better chance of winning, um, you know, going up and being victorious against these second division squads. And this team like Hamburg right now, which has had a great season, they're getting punished for having a great season. And, and you know, Stuttgart is getting rewarded for having a poor season. Um, thoughts do you like the current system or would you you know perhaps like i said move to like one of like the english models or something along those lines yeah the english model and the Serie A model are very similar where the, the bottom three go down and then there's a playoff uh with, with the bottom six seven teams uh to, to get promoted um i don't i don't really like that system i think it gives too many teams that are mid middle middle to average teams in, in the second division a chance to move up and then they get slaughtered potentially at first in the first division i i love what they do in germany because i think you know i love seeing like a 16 place team versus you know the third best team in in, in the in the fight liga i agree uh, the bundesliga teams typically prevail uh but we've seen some crazy things right when you're in berlin they came through uh, not too long ago now they're what champions league team um so we've seen some crazy things you really do have to earn it uh to get back up um i i think it's i think it's a great way to do it honestly and i think also I was happy to see that the same thing happens with the Zweite Liga and, 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 and Dritte Liga, where the same same play, the same rules came into play, and we see the result there, right? The third division team stomping the second division team, which you know Bielefeld is just a shit show as it is. But um, yeah, I, I kind of like that model. How about you? What, what are your thoughts on on the? On the yeah, I go back and forth. Um, I don't know. Uh, there, there's there's times where I, I kind of like the German model because it, it feels like part of the brand, and I guess the traditional something like kind of just likes. Um, you know, the history of that. Uh, right. And I do, I mean, I, I obviously agree with your point. Like, you know, we've seen Union Berlin um, prevail and come up and now look at them. They're going to be in the Champions League next season. It's an incredible story on their part. And as you just mentioned, the playoff that's going on, you know, in the Dritte Liga and the Spitze Liga um, as well. Um, but then I also, like I said, see the argument, you know, with a team like, you know, Hamburg right now that's been stuck in the second division for a long time. They have a very good season in the second division. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, a team like Stuttgart, which has played for, poorly, is, is staying up. So I see that argument as well. Um, the English model, I don't know. I, I, uh, the, yeah, I see that both ways as well. It's, it's these are things that are complicated. There's, there's trade-offs in any, in any system you go for. You know, part of me likes the uh, the, the multi-stage playoff in in the championship, yeah. um, uh, through which my Hatters, uh, go Luton Town, uh, have just prevailed. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, but I also like you see your point. We feel like there's teams that are like borderline mid-table, uh, even though the championship is pretty deep. But you know what I mean? Like okay. that that get, ultimately get kind of like that that chance. So I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think it may become more of a discussion point um, as time goes on, if it, particularly in the Bundesliga and spite the Bundesliga level, uh, it keeps balancing out in, in the direction of the Bundesliga. Yeah. And I guess if things were to change, 
I would prefer to see the bottom three go down and the top three in the second division go up rather than like a, an extended playoff like we see in City on in 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 an EPL. But um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I think that's fair too because I think in the Bundesliga, I think the second division, the mid table teams are probably I think relatively worse than they are. Yeah. In the championship, I think probably yeah. you know fourth through sixth in the championship no is probably better than that level yeah. in the in the Spider Blue. So, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, a hundred percent there. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see how it shapes up next year. Again, Spider Liga is a, a daunting league as is the championship in England. Uh, since you're talking about that, uh, but we will be in the second division next year for sure. Uh, hopefully, as someone mentioned in the chat, we get more wins uh, next year than we did this year. Hopefully, because uh, otherwise we'll be in a Bielefeld situation. But um, yeah, the season was not that great overall. Obviously, it started out in in poor fashion. We you know. Many questions were raised with the hiring of Frank Kramer uh, in the summertime, uh, coming off of the uh, the promotion from the second division. Um, not not many people's first selection. I don't even think it was Roven Schroeder's first selection. Honestly, I think Thomas Rice was honestly. Um, but you know they went with with Frank Kramer. We we always talk about preseason really means nothing, and we really saw nothing from them in the preseason last year. Uh, and you know some season we always feel optimistic, but last year I think I think you you mentioned a couple of times like. There's really nothing really home, nothing right or home about in preseason to get you know I'm really excited for uh, going into the second division. Uh, we had some games against I think it was Wolfsburg or Werder in a, in a, in a preseason, and we didn't look that great I think. Uh, but yeah, going into the season, Kramer and company just did not perform at all, and it put us in a hole from the beginning. Jack, uh, not the ideal way. We we said if we're gonna get get a ch- any chance in this in the first division, we had to start off hot, and we we did not. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think it was it was out there that we that Thomas Rice was the person that we were going after, and we were trying to secure his services, and we were able to do that. And so Cromer was sort of a fallback option. I don't think anyone was particularly excited about Cromer. Um, I know you and I weren't on the podcast. Um, we did not like that hire, and did not think that. I mean, that's the thing is like we knew going into the season that the strength of the squad was not great for a Bundesliga level. So you at least need you know a pretty competent manager to be able to try to get the most out of that squad and set you up you know with with competitive game plans and uh, I think when we saw Kramer we're like eh, it's unlikely that he's going to be the person that makes the difference you know what I mean it's going to have to be the players making the difference and you're hoping that the management is just kind of like at least competent um, and uh, look we had some moments early in the season. Uh, where, where things looked okay, or we got you know lucky results, you know the Gladbach draw two two, kind of comes to mind things along those lines. But um, you also saw early in the season symptoms of what would be kind of the story of the season. You know, uh, massive defensive performances, the six nil six one sorry against Union Berlin, yeah. um, and uh, also uh, a number of mistakes uh, from Alexander Schrola, which is another thing that plagued us this season. I think he had he had mistakes. Yeah. I think against Cologne and Gladbach. Like it, very early in the season, almost identical things. I know you. I know you made a mistake in the first half of the season against Hertha Berlin as well. Um, the game, yeah. And then, of course, mistakes down the stretch when he uh, ultimately steps back in for Ralph Fairman. So, um, yeah, a lot of signs early on that things were not going to go well. Yeah, and it, it was rocky. I mean, obviously, we got the the opening loss to the cone was uh, it was a refereeing terrible display by them. I think in that game, uh, Drexler got a red card right away early in the game for nothing. Uh, but we, you know, we got the draw against Gladbach and the Wolfsburg. Uh, big defeat against Union Berlin. Stuttgart, we drew. Uh, won against Balkan, lost to River Derby, and then we had like four or five losses in a row. It was at Augsburg, Leverkusen, uh, Hoffenheim killed us. I forgot to kill us. They beat us in the Pokal as well. 
and then losing to Hertha, Freiburg, and then I think losing to Werder was uh, the tipping point uh, for Kramer finally. It was like, what, five, six losses in a row. And finally, they pulled the plug on him, brought in Thomas Rice. Uh, two games to go before the end of the, before the, the winter break, which is the World Cup break. Uh, we had games against Mainz where we won that game, the first game, and then uh, lost to Bayern in a decent game, 2 nothing. I mean, as good as a decent game as we can have against Bayern. Uh, but nine points the first half of the season. Uh, at that point, we were like, oof, this is going to be a hard season. Yeah, I mean, so under Cromer, I think we were conceding like more than two goals per game. Yeah. And, and scoring like one goal per game, essentially. And that's obviously not a recipe that's going to work for you. Um, it just wasn't working. And it was sliding quickly. And, that, yeah, they obviously wanted to make a change um, before the break. Um so, yeah, I mean, Th- Thomas Rice came in before that huge World Cup break with not a lot of time. Um, and then, there, you know, then there's the, the winter break and everything. So I think it took him a while to get his feet under him. But then you, you get a couple signings um, in the second half of the season in, in like, you know, Morris Jens, for example. And you get Fairman sliding back into uh, goal and some other kind of like, you know, bit players here and there to kind of flesh out the squad. Um, and then, yeah, you saw Thomas Rice kind of settle down the defense that obviously came undone later in the season. Um, but we had a period of time there where, we, where, everything, where everyone was healthy, um, where we really kind of got cooking. And I think we saw probably the most consistent run uh, of the season was, yeah, was under Thomas Rice. And that was something that he he achieved for us, which I think shows that he made a difference. And obviously his his goals per game and everything were slightly better on the defensive end and, and calmed us down. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think I think Thomas Rice came in um, – Couple of days before the Werder Bremen match, and and we lost that game. It was only two to one at that point. We're like, oh, we did pretty well. And then after a full week, we had against Mainz, so we beat them. So I mean, yeah, he. I think he immediately turned the team around. Um, and we saw, uh, in the second half of the season, it kind of sort of well. I mean, obviously the first couple of games, right? I track losing that three nothing wasn't great, and then, and Leipzig six one. I uh, were like, oh, here we go again. But I mean, he's got a bunch of draws in a row, and four draws in a row, right? We lost uh, Drew Klone, Gladbach, Wolfsburg, and Union Berlin. Um, which is a great result considering we lost 6-1 in the first half of the season. Then we won against uh, Stuttgart. And so we won, what, eight games? Eight, yeah, eight, eight games unbeaten. And that included, yeah, two wins, I think, against Stuttgart and Bochum. So, yeah, um, yeah, pretty pretty ridiculous stretch there. Um, and then, you know, the following stretch was very up and down, but it was still three wins from six, which was, yeah. you know, decent points because we needed to start picking up three points here and there. And, you know, three three wins from six is, you know, Essentially yeah. better than just getting like five draws in a row, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it makes a difference pretty quickly for you. And it's funny you brought that up because I think you know even when we had that eight game unbeaten streak, you're looking at the standings and we're still way behind everybody. And we're like, geez, you know, the team is going on this fantastic run, probably one of the better runs in the season. So frustrating, but, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, how, how bad did we do in the first half? It was really bad, obviously. Um, you said the up and down and stuff like that, but then we we knew there was a gauntlet awaiting us at the end of the season. But before that, there were winnable games that we had to have. And I think there's three teams in a row that we, we had to get wins against them. We we said we had to get nine points. And we only won, what, one, maybe two of those games uh, that, uh, before the gauntlets. We beat Werder Bremen, lost to Freiburg. Uh, where was the three games? Uh, here we go. Augsburg drew. Uh, Hoffenheim lost. Hurt the one. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the Hoffenheim game I think was was tough because that was obviously something that we were kind of in contention with there, and and 
that performance in particular was just really poor. That was one of our, it was only a two nil loss, but I think in terms of, it was one yeah. of the most disappointing performances of the season. We just had nothing to offer in that game. So it no. felt like a huge missed opportunity. Um, it'd be one thing if like, you know, we were more soundly beaten in the game. We had a lot of effort, but we just felt like we just kind of didn't show up for that one for some reason, which was odd. Um, uh, luckily we, we rebounded with that, you know, that win against Herita, the Freiburg game, Freiburg absolutely smoked us this season. Yeah. I think it was like what, seven, nil something on aggregate. Yeah. Um, so not worried about that. The Verder Bremen game, wasn't that one of the craziest games of the season? It was. Um, it was. If, I, if I remember correctly, um, it was the the uh, the late Drexler goal, the over the top chip from Salazar in yeah. stoppage time. Yeah, yeah. huge yeah. result there. Um, the Mainz game, we followed it up with another huge result. That was another stoppage time winner by yeah. the VAR decision, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, so back to back, just like you know, huge things, and then that put us at least in position to have a chance. But it was the final three games that we talked about was, was, you know, uh, Frankfurt in the middle of that, which is still a tough matchup. And then it's bookended by Bayern and Leipzig, which we essentially knew were going to be very lopsided results, which it proved to be uh, <laughs> Frankfurt. We had a chance in that game, unfortunately mistakes from, you know, Schwalov and, and, and uh, couldn't get it over the line and uh, slipped through our fingers there. But um, you know, like we said, Thomas Rice, uh, I, I forget what the actual stat ended up being, but second half of the season, Schalke was somewhere around mid table. If you only eighth. looked at like, yeah, yeah. If you only looked at the Rook Runda. Um, and, uh, so you have to wonder, you know, if, if, if Roven Schroeder had gotten his man from the beginning, would that have made the difference? Would we have picked up a few more points in the first half of the season and been in a better position? But you know, at the same time, we dropped points under Rice too. You look at, you look at games, um, uh, like even like the Revere Derby. You know, could have won. It could yeah. have won that. You know, and and, and yeah. failed to and stuff. And so there's there's moments where you look back and you know we saw that we missed opportunities. But um, I, the thing is, I I think we had a good effort all through um, from from the squad for the most part. Like I said, except for like that Hoffenheim game, maybe. Like I think the main thing the Schalke supporters always care about is just that they feel like the team is invested. Yes. And um and trying their best for the club. And I feel like you can say that the team did that. In the second half of the season, I don't. I think the connection was still there between the team and the fans. Yes, uh, which shows it's not just like the teams. The, the fans aren't going to necessarily turn on you if you play poorly. Yeah, but if, as long as they feel that the connection is there and everything, I think that's the case. And I think you're seeing that with you know the contract extension of Torada, for example, stuff oh. like that. In terms of us being able to retain players in that situation. So, um, although I mean, I'm sure there's an angle from his perspective too. Like, but it, you know, anyway. The general point stands. Continue. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop uh, for the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, Eric's comment is funny. It's like well, you know, when the, Euro the reigning Europa League champions is the easiest game of the three you have. You know, it's a tough schedule, right? Um, and uh, that was true. But uh, yeah, it's um, it certainly has ups and downs. Missed opportunities, I think, is the theme of this season for sure. Uh, you know, obviously the horrible start, but then we had our chance. There was games at the second half of the season where we should have done a lot better yeah we were eighth best team in the say in the rook runda but we missed some huge opportunities not you know frankfurt's one of them and, and the dortmund game is another one too but there's so many in the uh in the second half of the season and so like thomas rice certainly is the man compared to frank Kramer, but he's not without fault it's not like he was you know manager of the season uh had they survived or anything like that there were still some areas where he was he was lacking i think um well, let's, let's let's stick with those two managers before we get to the, the best formation and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a big difference between Kramer and Rice, both from a mentality aspect and a tactics aspect. Um, Mentality-wise, start with that. Mentality-wise, I think it just seemed that the team um, didn't have that same hunger, right? The big difference between getting relegated this year and then two years ago was, like you said, 
we fought we fought the whole way through at the end the, the, the crowd was still with us because we tried it we tried hard the last time it looks like we gave up from like mid, midpoint of the season uh after that gladbach uh, draw there or win uh and the crowd the crowd was against us for that reason or for us we were against the team for that reason uh but we showed a lot more fight this season and i think you know the way the season started it was eerily similar to that that first time we got relegated because there was no there's no hunger on the team there's no push there's no no nothing really and and the play on the field showed it we gave up goals left and right we had leaky defense where Kramer was supposed to be the first thing he was supposed to fix the defense he couldn't do that and it uh it just mentality wise the team didn't seem to have it at the start of the season yeah, I, I think it, it felt as though the team was playing scared more under Cromer. Yeah. Um, like they were going into matches kind of sketched out and like trying not to lose. And it definitely felt like, uh, and partially that's just because the situation they got themselves into where they, they kind of had nothing to lose at that point anyway. So I think Rice was able to capitalize on that. But I think Rice was able to go in there and basically say like, hey, like we're the hunters. Like, yeah. We're playing with house money at this point. Like, like we're going down if we don't change anything. So, like, let's just go out there and like play with confidence and, and take it to people and see what we can do. And I think that mentality served us very well in the second half. Like, you you rarely felt as though we were playing scared yeah. or playing not to lose. Like, we were going after people and trying to force things. We just weren't good enough to often do it. But you felt like the approach was correct in, in most yeah. of the game. You know, in terms of the, you know the mentality and that kind of. Thing. And that's a huge point too because. Just look at Werder Bremen. They came up with us last year, right? And the two mentalities of the team between you know Werder Bremen and Kramer's mentality with Schalke was Werder Bremen said, we're not going to change anything from last year. We're going to attack. We're going to play the way we played and see where it gets us. And it did. It served them really well in the first half of the season. They were one of the top half teams in the first half of the season. I think they were eighth uh, at the midway point. Meanwhile, Schalke, like you said, just playing defensively, scared, didn't want to give up like a thousand goals a game. And it showed. And I think, you know, I, I I would I would argue and with Nicholas Fulcrook notwithstanding, right? Um, I think that the teams were fairly level in terms of quality, but the mentality was a huge thing, and they were going for it. We were just playing. Let's not give up a million goals and and see where where it gets us. Play for draws basically. And Inverter, I mean, they had they had a great win against Dortmund with three uh, two, down two one within the 90th minute, and they they found a way to win that game. They did. That's the kind of stuff they were doing in the first half of the season. That mentality was completely wrong under Kramer, and, and and Rice, to your point, did change that thing around and became the hunter, like you said. I would give Werder Bremen's squad a little bit more credit than that. I think they clearly have a better squad than we do. Um, if, I mean, if you want Marvin Duxch, you know, full yeah, Dux is fantastic. Pa- Pavlenka, I mean, Mitchell yeah. Weiser, anybody. Um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think. We sort of began on that on that point, um, I, but I do, I do think that Rice deserves some credit. Um, it's not like he like fixed everything. It's not that we suddenly became great offensively. I don't think we were much better offensively than we were under Frank Cromer. I just think he he was able to calm things down defensively um, and really stop the bleeding and gave us at least a platform to try to attack at the end of the season, which is kind of what we needed. And I think tactic wise, we didn't. Not only were we just playing scared, we were had no real formation or it, we weren't sure what we we're trying to do. We kept moving things around. Kramer or Rice came in and it was automatically at four, two, three, one. Um granted having pieces like Maurice Sienz come in in the second half of the season and then Michel Fry helped a lot. Right. Uh Kazuki first half of the season we had this guy who was uh looked like a gem and then he got injured and we hadn't seen him again after that. Maybe that was the only bright spot that could have been for for Kramer under his reign. Um but uh, yeah, I, I think this tactic-wise, we were a lot more in sync. Not only defensively, like you said, but also offensively, started creating a little bit more opportunity. We sounded like we had uh, an idea. We want to go direct at times, or 
we tried different ways versus Cromer. It was just like, let's just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Kazuki. There's so many players like that that you can forget about, even, you know, being a part of this I campaign. Forgot about him. Yeah, I did forget about him. Um, wow. uh, you know, like example, when I was looking at, you know, sort of some of the best goals that we scored this season, right? Like one, one of those, I think, is, is a volley that, you know, Mole had. Yeah, that's true. Remember, like, like, remember him? Like that. he was, he was on this team at some point this season. Like, didn't Tobias Moore have a great goal this year too? I think at one point early um, on. I forget. Yeah, if, yeah. I forget if Moore did, but like, I mean, that that's kind of the Darko point. Is like, sure. like, there were that many, that many random contributors over, and it just it felt like we just like didn't always have a settled starting eleven, and yeah. um, we were trying to find you know lone players or whoever to just kind of plug in to get a to get a Bundesliga worthy starting eleven for most of the season with the injuries we kept having. You know, Vandenberg <laughs> comes in, he's out immediately. So, yeah. um, you know, to to give you know Cromer a little bit of relief not that he necessarily deserves deserves much I mean he wasn't given a lot to work with to begin with and then that was diminished throughout the course of his tenure as well so um you know tough circumstances for both managers but um yeah we hope that we can bounce back up um and uh, give it another go in short order yeah um I I certainly hope we can too um it was a uh, an interesting season to say the least um it's hard to say what our best formation was this year i mean i guess we can because what we saw in the second half of the season was certainly the way it to go, doesn't right? have to be a four two three one isn't it has it? Like to be it has almost to be. exclusively what we were going i think Cromer played that for for at least probably half of his games as well yeah yeah um i think i think the goal like so last year it wasn't last year it was the year before the year we get relegated fairman just was a mess of himself he, he was making errors left and right and we he wasn't the answer um and then last year Obviously, Fraza started the majority of the games, and we obviously got promoted, and he, we were going to keep him anyway because he wasn't that good. We had Schwoloff, who had some promising signs prior to Schalke, and we're like, okay, well, he's got to be Kimmy worse than Frazzle. Nah, I guess he was, but um, he he was doing really poor. To see. He played most of the season, but I think once Fairman came back, you were like, oh, this is night and day difference, I think, between the two. Obviously, Fairman brings an emotional aspect to it, being the, the club captain, but he has to be the starting goalkeeper, right? You're not going to put Schwoloff in there before Fairman, right? Oh yeah, no, certainly not. I think I think Shvolov was was well below Bundesliga level this season, um, and I think that was probably anticipated going in. Is that there wasn't too much to be expected? Um, you know, it's just a tough position because Fairman uh, had kind of declined a little bit, and so you know, obviously he didn't have a lot of confidence internally with the club. We loaned him out, you know, for a period of time as well. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately when he did get called upon this year, he came up big for the most part, limited his mistakes. Um, although, you know, one thing I will say in defense of Schwolo real quick is, you know, people talk about, you know, the mistake he made, um, right there at the end, uh, uh, against like Frankfurt or whatever, yeah. um, like Fairman had mistakes that directly led to goals as well yeah. this season. So, I mean, like you, you can't point to that individual mistake by Schwolo and not point to other ones as well, but yeah, in general, yeah. Fairman much more solid and definitely deserves. And obviously the Schalke legend status that he's on his way to cementing. Lord Fairman, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, there's a bunch of guys this year that we were hoping to see, uh, you know, obviously like guys like Aiden, Chalnolu, and whatever reason they didn't play or they got loaned out or whatever. Uh, we got to just hype hyping these young kids because they just don't seem to work out for us. Uh, we started hyping, I think, Sholoff at the end, right? Free, free Sholoff. Like, really, free, release him. Um, <laughs> but I think one guy who kind of cemented his position, we were, I think, both unsure of him at the beginning, but Bruner kind of stepped in. Um, and kind of solidified the position and made it a position his own and wasn't necessarily flashy or anything, but he was consistent. That's what we were looking for, at least compared to what we had seen prior, you know, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, obviously, there are things in Iden's game that we like. Um, and we're obviously biased as Schalke supporters towards Canapa Chimita products. It's it's a part of our club that we're proud of and that we kind of identify with. So we're always going to be excited when they get integrated into the squad. Um, and, you know, showed some promising signs last year. But um, ultimately this season, he wasn't convincing. And we conceded that on various podcasts. I mean, he, he was yeah. not good enough in his opportunities this year, not ready for this level, I don't think. And uh, Bruner was, yeah, he was he was the solid workman right, right back. Not that he never made mistakes, but generally speaking, you know, it helped – when, when he was in games, when we had like a solid center back pairing, he helped kind of round out that picture. Um, somewhat limited going forward, but you know, a, a solid player this season overall. Yeah. Now I'm gonna let you do the, the distinction of choosing the center back pairing because I think we had you know three guys you could probably choose from. Obviously Yoshida, Vandenberg, Jens with his performance second half of the season. Uh, maybe even Kaminsky for that one goal he had that, that off the free kick. Uh, but I mean, really, those three guys. It's it's a tough call. Oh, how do you want to do that? Gens has got to be in there. Right? I mean, so yeah, Jens is in there. That, that's that's the one thing. He's he's yeah. absolutely in there. He was, you know, Mercedes Jens, as you said, um, huge loan signing, um, a, a massive contributor to that eight game unbeaten run under Rice the second half of the season yeah. when Fairman came in, when Jens came in. Suddenly, you know, we settled down quite a bit at the back, um, and he was, you know, pretty good in, in in most areas of the game. Pretty well rounded player. Um, the problem is, you know, it's hard to pick Vandenberg because he had a couple of bad performances when he initially joined. Although to be fair, he came in like on one day rest or something. Yeah, like immediately <laughs> put in. Um, but then he also became injured right away, uh, yeah. so he missed the vast majority of the season. Yoshida was, you know, by far the the, the much more called upon player. Um, so I think we kind of have to go with him. But Yoshida yeah. was just like all over the place. There were times where he seemed like relatively calm, steady in possession. Um, and at least read the game decently. And there's times where it just looked like, you know, he's showing his age and he just like can't focus at this much anymore because he's been playing for so long. He's playing for a shitty team. And it's just like he'll he'll turn off and he'll make really silly mistakes where he's just not paying attention and not like following somebody or marking. I don't know. Yeah. And, and obviously at this point, um, it, this is not his fault, but at this point in his career, he's not up for the level of the Bundesliga physically in terms of being able to compete with a lot of the athleticism that you see in this league. No. Um, so he got cons- exposed, con- you know, consistently um, on that front. So, you know, going into the season, we thought left back position was going to be a lock after a, fan- a fantastic, arguably close to MVP season, you know, Oyan had last year, and despite the Liga did not turn out that well for him. And I think injury kind of hurt him in the beginning, but confidence just disappeared for him. Uh, Ornan was brought in to kind of be his, his backup, and he played a lot, but wasn't really impressive up until today. I thought he was 18 years old. This guy's 28 years old, so I'm like, what the hell? Like, completely, you know, it was a baby face there. But uh, you know, Ornan played a good part of the season. I think a guy who came up at the end of the season, uh, Lord Matriciani, the goat. He kind of kind of stepped up. I mean, by default, he wins it because he was the better of the three. I don't know if necessarily he was great. I wasn't sure if you were going to go with that, but I'm actually pleased you're picking that. Look, I, I don't think that Uranim was anything special. I don't think yeah. that Oian obviously had a – I think we'll talk about him later probably, potentially in terms of some of our more disappointing players or whatever. Um, I think that Matriciani, for the role he played this season at various positions, deserves to get the shout for the left-back position, which I don't think anyone can really lay claim to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good with the Japanese team. Yeah, Yoshida did pretty well. Uh, so where is he? Uh, I just lost him. <laughs> there he is. All right, so insert him in there. Insert him there. All right, so I think the holy midfielder is probably the easy selection because I think Crawl and Kraus, arguably the two best, most maybe most consistent. Kraus certainly was most consistent guy this year. Um, and Crawl, to his credit, he started out very rocky, I think, 
um, yellow card waiting to happen, but eventually he kind of calmed him down, down and became pretty consistent, I think. Um, I'm glad we didn't mention Tobias Moore for the left back uh, position there. Um, but uh, where is uh, Kraus? I know he's here. He's here somewhere. He's evading me. Like he's he's going back to Leipzig already or whatever. So there he is. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. There's Kraus. Right. Yeah, I think it has to be those two guys for sure. Um, I think they were overall probably two of our better players. I think Thomas Kraus in particular. Um, not that he didn't make mistakes here and there, but you yeah, know, he, he was he was huge and also you know emotionally important. You know, in, in terms of galvanizing, I think the energy of the squad at times uh, with his Schalke supporter status, you know, having kind of a personal stake in the relegation fight as well as a professional one. Um, I, I will give Donnie Lotza a shout out in the sense that I think towards the end of the season, in his in his cameo appearances. I felt like he actually did make a difference in possession, kind of pinging the ball around. He was able to kind yeah. of, I think, increase our tempo and sort of our accuracy. And he played some incisive passes at times. Although I think, once again, for the the uh, the lion's share of his tenure here at Chalka of late, I think he's been pretty underwhelming. Uh, but I do think he he kind of played some decent performances towards the end of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think a, a shout out is something he deserves for no doubt about it. Um, it, it Started off cold, uh, but he came on and it got stronger and stronger. Kind of built upon last season. Last season, he was okay as well. He wasn't anything lights out or anything. He had a nice goal against Isaac Owl last year. Nice header from uh, who's that uh, Norwegian player we had for like a hot minute. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think the, 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 the picks here now, you know, obviously it gets even crunchier here because, you know, look at the, the, the three attackers. I think Bolter is a, as a no doubt about it. He's got to be. Uh, he's the best player of the season, honestly, uh, on the left back, left wing side. Uh, where the heck did he go? There he is. Um, but you know, you got Trexler who's in the mix. Um, Salazar, obviously, Kaminsky or Kaminsky, Karaman got in the mix at the end of the season. Skarka as well. I know you want to put in uh, Tobias Moore in there. Uh, <laughs> who else? Who else we put here in the attacking trio there? You're a mute rook. Sorry about that. Uh, I feel like I'm on a Microsoft Teams meeting at work. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I, I think it's kind of weird. And you may be playing somebody out of position, or whatever. Yeah. I think Bolter obviously has to be in there. I think the other two attacking players. For me, Salazar has to be one of them. And I, I honestly think Drexler has to be the other one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think those are the two players that when I look at our, I mean, Salazar and Drexler, I think both started less than 50% of our matches, actually. Yeah. Um, Mostly Salazar, for each other, though, right? Right. Yeah. And like Salazar played like a slightly different, lesser role that he did, you know, in the second division last season. But I still think that like those are probably the two guys that made the difference more often than not. Um, and you, I, mean, I don't think you can put Skarka in that lineup. Um, I mean, speaking of players you forget were on the team, Jordan Larson. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think you can put him in the lineup, you know, despite no. his earlier season performance. Kazuki now, Kazuki is the unknown. I think if he had played a full season, potentially he would be this. Innocent. Yeah, but he, yeah, he was the comet in the night sky. It was like you got excited about him the second you got excited about him, he was, <laughs> he was gone already. Um, oh, I hope he saves us. Weirdest story of all time. I hope, yeah, who knows, but I hope he comes back. He, he could be a contributor in the second division for sure, you would think, but for sure, um, for sure, yeah, who knows? Yeah, um. And then, you know, the, the hard question for us, we thought going into the season again, like, oh, yeah, we thought Toroto with his 30 goals last year. Now, we knew that he wasn't going to get 30 goals this year, but we hope that continuation of the team from last year, most of the solid core was still there. He was still going to be able to contribute. We didn't have any people really giving him the ball. Bolter did his thing. 
he came on like uh, a, a ton of bricks in the second half of the season. He only had like you know, two, three goals in the first half. Once Rice took over, he kind of built up his momentum. Um, but Toronto, a guy who we expect to get a lot of goals this year, I think he ended up with five goals this year. Um, you obviously had Michel Fry came on in the second half of the season in January. Um, Kataban had a big goal against Dortmund in the River Derby in the second leg. Uh, and then obviously uh, Poulter, another guy who we, we expect at least maybe 10 goals from. Nobody got 10 goals other than Poulter. Uh, but he got, what, one goal, maybe two? So I... Poulter had two goals and three assists. Um, yeah. And Toronto had five goals. So it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a toss-up there in terms of yeah. overall involvement. Um, yeah. Poulter doing that, though, in, in probably overall much more limited role. Uh, than yeah. Toronto, obviously Toronto playing a lot of full uh, or starting, not full nineties, but you know starting the games yeah. and, and Toronto and Bolter. Wow, not Bolter or Toronto. Poulter, much more of a you know a second half cameo type player. So are you going Poulter over Toronto? Any any consideration for Michel Fry? I, I think he no. he he came on very well, but he wasn't getting any goals for us. Strikers got to score goals, in my opinion. So no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, three three assists. Um, there were there were moments where he showed flashes where you could see why he had been successful at times elsewhere. But to me, not good enough. I don't think anyone was good enough. It's hard to pick anybody for that position. Uh, right. you, you, yeah, I think you could say Poulter. I think you could say Tirada just for you know the fact that Tirada is now becoming a, a fan favorite and somebody that like the you know the fans are connected to. Oh, um, well, my jersey's all backwards, but yeah, that, that wasn't particularly helpful show in the front there. But you know what. <laughs> It's the end of the season, folks. Uh, it is the end of the season. It's the end of the season. Season finale. You got to wrap it up. So, this is our you know best eleven that we can pull up with from this season. Four, two, three, one. Interesting formation. Um, you know, with this lineup, who's your uh, poorest performers? Um, we probably kind of spoke about a couple guys already, but you know, um, with what we expected of them, how they performed in the season. Yeah. Who are your who are your Worst performers of the year. Um, so I mean, number one for me is, is Shwalov. Obviously, I think okay. more than yeah. I think more than any other player, he negatively affected the team. I think you look at the number. I'd, I'd have to go through and see how many games where he had a mistake that directly resulted in a goal. How many times it actually yeah. directly affected the result? Yeah. You know, as opposed to like losing by a multiple goal margin or something like that. Um, but you know, I, I think if he had half as many of those mistakes, which isn't too much to ask from a goalie, that could have made the difference in us getting promoted or not. You know, I mean, not promoted, but staying up yeah. um, or not. So I think I think Shvalov has to be number one on that list uh, for me. I would put Larson on that list as well. Just an absolute nothing, I think, in terms of an acquisition. Thomas Oyan is probably the most disappointing, um, one of our most important players last season. And funny enough, he actually assisted the first goal of the year. It was a set-piece delivery. Another and like a nice away on set piece delivery on a free kick, I think to Bolter potentially. And so you're like, you start off the season against Cologne saying, Hey, business as usual. <laughs> and then Thomas just disappeared. So I think, I think he's on there. I think Tobias Moore as well, somebody that we, you know, picked up and signed like a multi year contract. And he just couldn't get into the lineup and on the field that often. Um, I think he was pretty good in the final third when he got into it, but um, pretty poor in possession outside of the final third. And uh, yeah, just below expectations. So those are kind of my main guys. Maybe Frank Cromer, if you want to throw the coach on the list as well. Yeah. Um, what yeah. are your thoughts in terms of uh, poorest performers? Eric seems to agree with you. Schwoloff, Larson, Moore, and Oyan. And it's funny you took that that perspective, right? You you took a which which player affected the game the most in the in the negative aspect, and Schwoloff certainly I think did that because I would say I would say five to ten goals were directly negatively impacted by him uh, by poor performances. I was leaning towards you know most disappointing like I. 
I really didn't expect the, the world at a, a show off. I expected Oweyan, and I didn't expect Toronto to, to score 30 goals this year. We were hoping maybe 10 and 15, right? Yeah. But um, well, I, mean, I, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't hoping for that. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but I think for me, I thought the guy, one guy I could rely on going to this season was Thomas Oweyan. Um, and for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or un, unfavored by both managers, it just did not work out for him at all. And um, even the times that we did get, he get a did decent run out there. He just didn't perform. Orin did better at times when he was there. Uh, Tob- Tobias Moore was arguably better than him, and uh, certainly Matriciani. Um, So that was that was my poorest performer. But I, yeah, I mean, Schwolf, you can't disagree with that. I mean, he directly impacted us and lost points on several occasions. It wasn't just one or two. It was it was more than a handful. And we'll say, I think there were some reports that Oyama was seeing like a sports psychologist and stuff. So, you know, maybe he's going through some stuff, you yeah. know, off pitch yeah. that could be contributing to that. But, um, yeah, I just think he was somebody that we were like, we were so confident, like, hey, there's not a lot that we're that we're taking with us to the top flight. And what we are taking with us, we don't like a lot of it. But, you know, Oyama, that's a guy whose game can translate to the top division. And it just didn't. So, um, yeah. yeah, huge disappointment yeah. there. Another disappointment for me too, uh, and again, this is could have been management decision, but I then I, I we what we saw last year, you know, it was an improvement. Sorry, my, my dog shakes in the background. Um, <laughs> now look through me. I then I, someone who we he had good, good performances in the in the second division. He had a great goal, that karate kick goal, right last year. We had a lot of expectations on the right side before Bruner came in, and then he just never got a chance or didn't fit the times he was in there, even in an attack, he didn't do much. And so, you know, hopefully we get to see him more next year. I mean, he obviously can do well and fight the league like he did last year. So why not give him a try again? So uh, if you assume he's not sold or something like that. So, um, yeah, I done another shout out. I'm going to give out to all that. So um, best performer, that's got to be Bolter, right? What, 11 goals and I don't know how many assists, but. Yeah. The one thing I will say, though, is uh, even though I do think it is Bolter, um, seven of his 11 were penalty kicks. <laughs> so. You know what I mean? That that's just kind of like, a, a a great conversion record for him, and yeah. and he did some that that got us results. So I'm not trying to criticize him for that. But when you're saying like, hey, 11 goals, it's not like he was going around scoring from open play in the Booners League. Like he had four goals from you know non penalty situations. So, and there were periods of the time of the season where he didn't look great either. But ultimately, I think yeah. down the stretch became clearly our best player and one of the only people that we can rely on. Yeah, I think he had eight goals down the stretch. Uh, which is amazing. Most of them are penalties, but still huge, huge times of games where he had to he had to step up. Um, he arguably had the goal of the season with that backheel flick. I forget what game that was. Maybe it hurt to Berlin, uh, but had that, it was reminiscent of the same goal he did in the fight the Liga. Stuttgart, I want to say. Maybe it was Stuttgart. Maybe it was Stuttgart. The game yeah. winner against Stuttgart. So, um, but yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I would I would give an honorable mention to Tom Kraus. I thought he was Mr. Consistent. He was probably the most consistent of the team. Why? Why Bolter may have been the best player. I think Kraus is the most consistent over the whole season because very he did play poor, but he was more in the games and and contributing the midfield more so than Bolter was up and down, up and down. I think. Yeah. So my list is is Bolter one, Kraus two, and in brackets I have consistency next to Kraus. So I think okay. you and I are very much on the same page <laughs> yeah. in terms of those picks. Yeah. We should do podcasts uh, together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I mean, wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, so yeah, so totally in line. I think uh, the next couple that I have are, are Jens, um, Bruner, and, yeah, like uh, and and Matriciani for effort, once again. Um, not that he didn't get exposed at times, that he didn't have bad moments, but he also had some hugely clutch moments, it's like, yeah. sa- like result-saving moments where he was putting yeah. his body on the line. And once again, just somebody who would um, go into any position that was asked of him and put in a shift and lay it on the line. Um, you look at, you know, 
even that uh, the Frankfurt game, I think it was the Frankfurt game at the end of the season when, uh, you know, Matrushkin is absolutely gassed and he tracks down a ball in the corner, plays it to Tobias Moore, was able to whip it in for Poulter for that for that that goal. I mean, like, plays yeah. like that, like where Matriciani is actually making a difference. I mean, you can say, hey, he's not Bundesliga level. Sure, um, whatever. But, like, I think I think he actually improved kind of over the course of the season, and um, I think every squad needs a player like him. Yeah, honestly. I think I think if half the players had the, the hustle that he has, uh, I think our team would have been maybe a couple more points better, I think. Um, he definitely won the crowd over, no, no doubt about it. Obviously, Fairman is because he's a legend, but you know, Kraus certainly did with his performances. Salazar and Drexler at times is too with their defensive tracking back. Even you know, Poulter and Toronto tracking back, and uh, certainly Boulter. Um, so you know, there's some there's some some guys in there to get honorable mention for sure. And and I think Thomas Rice um deserves a lot of credit for getting the team back mentality-wise and and playing the way we expect Schalke to play hard, hard-nosed uh, football. Um, and really trying to make it difficult for the opposition. Um, you know, we've been talking about 45 minutes here. We haven't talked one of the big elephants in the room this year. Um, Rovin Schroeder, a guy who was a mastermind behind our promotion last year. Uh, there's a falling out, you know, and part of it had to do probably with the hiring of Kramer and then, you know, the whole Thomas Rice situation that came above. I don't know what happened there. We still don't know what happened there. Uh, but in, in, the, in the heat of the night, he's gone. Similar to what happened to Maldini in Milan today, but uh, yeah, it just Rovin Schroeder just disappears. The guy who we thought was the one guy, at least we can count on him to kind of. If he's here, he's going to be the mastermind. He'll we'll figure this out. But he disappeared all of a sudden, and it left everyone in shock when he left. And you know, it was I think it was the same time when, when Rice got hired. I don't know if it was right before Rice got hired or just after, but uh, that was just. Uh, Unbelievable when that happened. Uh, I mean, I know when I texted you. I think I think you messaged me, and I was like, "What? What are you talking about? Like, it's just unreal. You, you don't really hear about these things that happen like that." And but it did. Uh, I think one of us said like April Fools isn't until April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So something you know, something along those lines. Um, yeah, it, it was weird how demoralizing that was. Yeah. Um, because you know we obviously we gave Schroeder so much credit. Um with our title and our promotion last year, once again, not that we didn't go on kind of a random run towards the end of the season on, you know, pure, pure vibes from Buskins, but, um, you know, Schroeder did a pretty good job with very limited resources to put together a squad that was capable of competing. And we did compete last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think we were also, despite how poorly things were going with Frank Kramer, I think we were kind of banking on having another transfer window in the winter, with Roven Schroeder at the helm to potentially work some loan magic or something and get us, yeah. you know, scout some good players, um, you know, to maybe put us in a position to have a go of it in the second half of the season. Then when he left, we were like, what do we have to hold on to at the moment? We have injuries everywhere on the squad. Nine our team points. Is, our team is not Bundesliga <laughs> level. Our coach is not Bundesliga level. We no longer have like a sporting director. Like, like what is going to happen? Um, and we finally had a sporting you know, director, by the way. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, what ended up happening is, made some good loan signings the second half of the season and brought in Thomas Rice and we actually did okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was maybe a little bit premature on our part, but yeah, uh, I think that goes to show like the impact that Schroeder had, um, how demoralizing it was when, when he, when he left kind of abruptly as well. Yeah, no, it certainly was. It was uh, a huge uh, impact to the team, no doubt about it, but um, you know, Peter Canabal kind of stepped in and kind of took over duties for Roven Schroeder and it kind of, it did, it did eventually level itself out. Um, we do finally have a a new sporting director, um, a director of sport, or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's the man right there, Andre he- uh, Hegelman. 
um, previously as Shaka's chief scout. So I have high hopes for him. I mean, I don't know too much for him outside of the scouting realm. Um, obviously, he worked under Knobel, under Schroeder. Um, he's thought of highly on the team. Um, and he can scout players. But we'll, we'll see what we can do. I mean, we got to give the guy a chance, right? Uh, it's funny. Some of the pictures that were initially coming out of him were like the least flattering pictures of him. They finally got one up there on the on Chaka's Twitter, a good one of him. But they were like him and a Look at those spectacles. He looks like a scout. <laughs> yeah, I love right. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to play some money ball just uh, with the money that we have or don't have. All right. Um, but yeah, moving on to next season. Um, we're going to lose some players. Obviously, I think Bolter. One of our best players the last two seasons, he's going to be gone, I, I would imagine. Crawl's already gone. He's the Union Berlin. Um, Salazar is up in the air. I would imagine he's not going to stay. People want to say Trulinov is coming back. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Maurice Jens, we don't know about him. Yoshida, probably not, I would guess. I would be so surprised if Trulinov came out we're in the second division. I mean, like I think I think there was a chance if we stayed up. I would be shocked if he still came, but yeah, hey, hopefully. And I hear there's a chance with Maurice Jens, maybe, if we can, if he wants to play his fight to be legal. We'll see. Uh, Bruner, I don't know about him. Um, Kaminsky is gonna he re- he resigned up, uh, but the big news I think was heading into the end of the season. Toroda came out and said, "I'm done. We're season's over. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on." Um, and then he, it kind of was a gaffe on his part, right? When Shaka was officially eliminated, he comes out and says, "Oh, hey, I'll, I'll play for you guys." Right? I don't know how it came out, but uh, he decided to stay with Shaka for another three years, possibly if you know Shaka wanted him. Um, and he said it was more of a, he thought the team was for sure going to stay up. So he wanted to just move on from, from Chaka. But now that they are, they got relegated. He wants to help them get back up. So um, I'm happy to have him here. It just, this is a, com- a comedy really to see that all happen. Yeah. I think, I think it could be a case of, you know, uh, given his age and given, you know, the level of the Bundesliga, I think throughout the season, he said, I can't do another season of this. Like I'm, it's just not going to work for me. So like if they stay up, I don't want to be here. Um, but then we go down and he's like, Hey, I set the all time record for single season goals. Like two seasons ago. I'm, I'm not in the younger and father time is going to end my career at some point. But like, I might, I might be able to match 30 goals, but I don't know if I'm going to drop from like 30 to zero in the space of like, you know, two, two or three yeah. seasons. Like, you know, yeah. so he may be able to pitch in eight, 10 goals next year. Potentially, you might get if you get another striker to pitch in eight, 10 goals, you know what I mean? Like, then you can be in the conversation again. So, um, yeah, and I think they're also going to help him kind of get his coaching licenses and stuff. He's going to yeah. have sort of a hybrid role, sort of like, yeah, yeah, playing if he's playing good, maybe not so much. And he's, you know, they kind of value him as a locker room guy and a leader and an experienced player that can kind of set, you know, maybe the example in terms of professional standards for the rest of the squad. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, valuable to retain him, I guess. Uh, and it's funny because heading into the end of the season, we thought, well, Poulter already told us he was going to come back next year for with us in the fight the league. So we're like, okay, lead, let Poulter lead the line, see what he can do. Because if he can get 10, you know, 10, 15 goals in the, in the Bundesliga, he surely can get he get that in the in the fight the league. And all of a sudden, Torres says I'm coming back, and they're like, okay, who's going to start now? Is it going to be Poulter? Is it going to be Torota? Maybe both of them start. Then you also have to remember Marvin Piringer. He's on the he, you know, he did decently at the start before he got injured uh, in this fight to Liga. And so you got three guys potentially now. I don't know if we're going to keep Herringer, maybe, but that's a great point to bring up too. Is like, I think both you and I at the beginning of the season, like, why would we not retain his services for the Bundesliga? Yeah. Like, like who who are we bringing? We're, we're not, we're not convinced that Toronto's going to be able to replicate that. Like, I was so surprised that we loaned yeah. him out. But one of the shocks, I think, for yeah. us. And maybe he would have been terrible in the Bundesliga too, but like, I don't know. I just, I yeah. thought that was odd. Yeah, um, and last year he did really well with uh, teaming up with Cherlinov. So if we get Cherlinov, it might be a recent bring back Peringer. But I've heard rumors that maybe we're uh, Peringer will move on and maybe sell him for two million euros or something. We'll see. Uh, it's not that much, but I mean at this at this rate, any money is good money for Schalke. Um, 
Poulter and Turley in the line. Maybe Poulter gets majority starts. I don't know. We'll have to, or maybe both of them start. Who knows? I mean, it depends. Really, we don't know what the lineup's going to be going into next year. I've heard rumors about guys maybe coming in and out, but um, I think, and I don't know about you, I feel better going into this fight to league this time around than I did the last time around. One, we play we play a lot better going down the stretch than we did the last time around. Two, financially we're we're in a better place. We're much more stable um, than we were then. And then and then three, I think Thomas Rice and the management team. We know who the manager is next year. He did well for us in the second half of the season. If he can replicate that kind of same energy, we should be able. We should be one of the front runners in the league next year. Again, we don't know what the team's going to look like, right? Uh, but I feel a lot better this time around than next time, than last time. And I know it's a Swati League, it's a Super League, and nothing's guaranteed. But I feel I'm, I'm in a better place now than I was then. How about you? I agree with most of the arguments you just laid out. Um, I don't feel better, and I have nothing to justify that with. I just have a bad feeling about this relegation, and I don't Uh-oh. know why. Okay. Not trying to be a downer on the season, but like I just do not have. I don't know. I, I'm not as optimistic about bouncing right back up. Okay. And I guess I wasn't last time either, but I just felt like maybe there was more pressure on it to happen, and so you felt like it was somehow like you know in the cards or something. Um, given like the narrative of this of this like historic club, and I just don't feel like that in going into this. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I hope it's the case that we, you know, once again have another competitive season or and are at you know the sharp end of the table um when it matters most. I'm trying to pull up the uh the teams for next year and it's fight the league and it got me to the Polish league. I'm like, why am I looking at the Polish league all of a sudden here? Um, but let me pull this up here so, so we can see this before we wrap this up. Uh bum. That's not what I wanted. Uh it's the last last game of the season, Jack, and can't keep things together. There we go. Oh, I just saw it. Oh, my goodness. So many windows up. Let's see, it teaches me for many windows up. There we go. All right. So we know Heidenheim and Darmstadt are moving up. Hamburg staying down with us. Um, Dusseldorf, St. Pauli. I mean, some good teams, right? Paderborn, Karlsruhe. It's funny. Regensburg got relegated this year. They were one of the better teams when we, we were there last year. And it's, it turns around so quickly. Nuremberg struggled this year. Also, it's like 4 1, like second game of the season or something, right? Like, yeah, last, they were yeah, good. Yeah. Singh had one of the nice goals in that, in that game. I mean, every goal in that game was nice for them. But, um, Holson Kiel, Kaiserslautern, they're in Spite Liga. Good to see them back there. It's, it's going to be difficult. Um, Hanover, Magdeburg, uh, Great Deferred, Hans Rostock, uh, Eintracht Braunschweig. And then, um, coming up, I forget who's coming up for the Dritte Liga outside of, um, VNG's button. Um, but there are two other teams that are coming up too. So, it's gonna be um, a double relegation for Armenia, but it's gonna be a, a tough league. It's it's. I feel better. I th- in the Discord we were chatting and saying that uh, this group of Svita Liga teams is not as impressive as the last go around, and I think maybe Eric's the one who said is it. like I disagree. I think it's it's just it maybe not as good, but it's pretty close. It's it's a tough league. Um, I mean the top, you can argue the top ten. I mean look how close it was between you know. Middle teams are all right packed in there. The, the top six teams are very close. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough next year. And we get to go to Hamburg twice, right? St. Pauli and Hamburg. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, what are your final thoughts now? Uh heading into next season. Obviously, you don't have a good feeling, but um overall, again, you know, the way the season ended up and how we're where we're going now, thoughts, final thoughts. 
I'd like to end on a more positive note that I just did a minute ago and just try <laughs> to uh, walk some of our fans through some positive memories real quick with uh, uh-huh. just shouting out a couple of our best goals of the season to perhaps okay. go on YouTube yeah. and try to rewatch and, and remember some of the good times that we had in the Bundesliga. Um, uh, you mentioned one earlier, the Marius Bulter back heel from yeah. Salazar against Stuttgart. I think that was in the first half of the season. Salazar yeah. on the right-hand side of the pitch kind of whips across in. And uh, Bolter running diagonally across the box in stride, just back heels, poetry in motion. Very nice. Um, uh, Salazar, uh, that 2-2 against Gladbach, I believe it was first half of the season, had a kind yeah. of a long solo run and then long distance strike to the corner. Big hopes for Salazar at that box. point. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, 100%. That did not really you know, no. go the way we wanted either. Uh, but that was a really nice goal in the moment. Um, uh, the Salazar chip to Drexler to win in yeah. stoppage time. We shouted yeah, that one out earlier. Oh, that was okay, a really yeah. important goal and a really and a really nice play by both of those guys. Um, yeah. And then uh, I guess two more: uh, the Bolter step over goal late against Mainz. Yeah, where he just yeah. got into the box and just kind of put the guy and then fin- hey, you know what? Not like yeah. a ridiculous goal, but you know, nicely done. And then finally, um, I think it was the one nil win against Mainz in the first half of the season. Tirada's goal. It was a ball that was kind of whipped from crawl through traffic to Tirada. He takes one touch that's like a rainbow touch over the top of him, yeah. which then he then takes a great second touch to set himself up. His third touch is a shot to the corner right as the goalkeeper is arriving. That was like three perfect touches from Tirada. Um, and Never you know, again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But once again, just kind of flashback to like at his best, it's those moments where he's just like so decisive and so clinical. And it's um, fight like he was like that every time, it seemed like. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to shout those out. So yeah, anyway, go on YouTube, watch some of those nicer goals. Um, uh, there's not that many to go through, so <laughs> um, enjoy yeah. some of the better ones. I'll give it, I'll give two other shouts. Um, Tim Skarka had his own goal this season. It was beautiful, long range bomb from outside Herta? the box, top corner against Hertha, and that was mm-hmm. the first goal of the game. I think it was, and then that was like within the first couple minutes. And then also Kaminsky, I think in the same game, free kick, yep. beautiful goal, just. Came out of nowhere because you're expecting, you know, I think Drex or whoever was Salazar to take the free kick and commit. You're like, why is Kaminsky doing this? Oh, that's why. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So a couple shots there. Little inside out action back to the far post. Yeah. yeah beautiful nice. swerve on it too. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll see what happens next year. Um, hopefully get Kazuki back. I'd like to see what he can do. Like you said, I think he could tear up in the in the fight the Liga. So Kazuki just like the chaos energy play. Just put yeah. him on the right wing and yeah. just let him run. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah. So. All right, well, that'll wrap it up. Um, 60 minutes. We got 60 minutes in here. Um, good. Oh, decent season. Interesting season for sure. Hopefully next year will be a lot more entertaining. Um, Hopefully we can watch the games. I was just going to say, <laughs> hope we can find a way to watch the games, whether it's ESPN Plus somehow or some shoddy, you know, Czech Republic link or something like that. But uh, if you got if you got ways to show it, let us know so we can go. We got VPNs, so we can figure it out. And we'll try to do live streams. Uh, Jack, we're going to have to get fluent in German so we can at least listen to the German radio and, and do the, the watch-alongs, right? So Nine. <laughs> there you go. That's a step. That's a step forward. Um, yeah, it's six seasons come to an end, Jack. Six seasons. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Long run. It is, yeah. 2017. Back to 2017. Six seasons. It's crazy to actually think that we've been doing this for more than half a decade now. Um, Unreal. Uh, thank you to you once again for your partnership through another year of this um, and all of the work that you do. Uh, behind the seasons and the additional prep that you do before every podcast. I always say this to the people in the chat. Richard puts much more effort into this than I do. I just show up and talk for the most part. Jackson A lot of the infrastructure is, is him. So uh, credit where credit is due there. 
um, much bigger time commitment. And then also, obviously, uh, shout out to everyone in the chat who's participated and joined us on these live streams. It's been yes. really enjoyable to do these live streams as opposed to kind of, you know, pre-recording the, the audio podcast before we get to interact with you all live. So we appreciate those of you that have uh, hung out with us throughout the year and, uh, you know, supported us together in this kind of emotional roller coaster journey as they're in a relegation season. It's always nice to have misery loves company right now. In a Absolutely. Way, but like, um, yeah. So thanks for listening and, and thanks for, uh, you know, uh, following along and we'll, we'll do it again next year. Yeah. It's been a hell of a run. Um, and, uh, scenes come to an end. Just disclaimer. Remember two years ago, Svite Liga starts in July, July 28th is the first game of, of Svite Liga. So mark the calendars, everyone. Uh, we'll be back season seven. So, uh, thanks again. Echo the sentiments by Jack. Uh, Jack, obviously, thanks to you for sure. Uh, helping out immensely with all this stuff. Couldn't do it without you. And uh, yeah, let's do it. One more season, Jack. Uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Shout out to Matt and Eric there at the end. Angry Orchard. Hey, well, maybe we'll have to keep it going. I don't, we might not have the angry tree anymore next year, but uh, we'll, we'll try to do something again next year. Uh, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. More importantly, follow us at Shock America, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, follow us at shockamerica.com. And if you're not doing so already, make sure you follow us on YouTube and subscribe and like on videos. Be much appreciated. We'll try to pop in here and there uh, throughout the summer. Uh, if something breaks that so we need to come and do another podcast or something, we will we'll show up. But uh, for the most part, we're taking a nice little sabbatical. Uh, much deserved, I think, after this long season. So, uh, Jack, it's been fun. Let's yes, get sir. it out of here, sir. All right, everyone. Thank you. Enjoy the summer, and uh, we'll catch you uh, soon. Here we go.